This is the Golf Life Faith Podcast brought to you by College Golf Fellowship. I'm Toby Ragland, one of your hosts. Another host is Jace Barber, and we are CGF staff members full-time. We love serving the world of college golf, and this podcast is going to be conversations uh, with our PGA Tour partners, with CGF and other partners in the world of golf, and we hope you learn a lot. Uh, We certainly will along the way. Hope you join us for the journey and learn all areas, golf, life, and faith. Welcome to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. My name is Toby Ragland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jace Barber. Jace, how's it everybody? Doing great. Glad that we're we're doing this again. You know, we've been a little absent. You did Paul, which is going to come out here soon, Paul Tesori, but pumped to be back together doing this. Yep, not the Apostle Paul. Um, easily <laughs> to be confused. That would be legendary. <laughs> So today on the Golf Life Faith podcast, uh, we are recording two days after Josh Teeter graduated uh, from the Corn Ferry Tour Finals uh, for the third time, uh, going back to the PGA Tour. Uh, We're excited to have Josh on, played his college golf at Moorhead State, lives in Lexington, Kentucky, along with his wife and two kiddos. And more than just talking golf and his love of golf and how he's competed and grown in that over the years. Uh, We just love talking to Josh uh, about all things faith as well. Uh, He's been a great encouragement uh, to many along the way, and we look forward uh, to all of you guys getting to hear more of his story. So, Josh, how are you? Doing great, Toby. Jace, thanks for having me. And uh, I think it's safe to say, you know, we planned this a couple weeks ago, so it wasn't like, uh, you know, we saw what happened on Sunday and – we said, hey, let's get this going. So uh, this has been on the books for a while and uh, glad to be here and happy happy to share for sure. Yeah, it's been fun since Columbus uh, at Tour Fellowship. We talked about it and to yeah. see see you play the last few weeks and then see you kind of around the bubble, but then have a phenomenal, <laughs> was it third round where you shot 64? It was, yeah. Yeah, that was uh that was something else. I mean, uh, I don't know if I've ever broke 70 on that course and <laughs> You know, that day, uh, things were going the right way. Yeah. So it's been awesome to see. Um, and yeah, yeah, like you said, pumped that it's finally come to fruition. Here we are. For sure. Before you give us a closer look at this past week, give us a glimpse of what this past year has looked like in your, your golf journey. Yeah, I would say, um, so I played the whole Corn Ferry season, uh, the last two seasons, because I lost my PJ Tour status after 21 uh, when I had some conditional status. Um, so I went back. Uh, I actually went to Q School uh, two years ago, about right now, for second stage to try to get more guaranteed starts. Uh, did not get through the second stage in Alabama, um, but was guaranteed four starts to begin the 22 season. Played well enough there to kind of get my schedule for the rest of the year. And last year, I don't know. I, I kind of went about it. Um, I don't know on my own, I would say, um, no real instruction. Uh, I had a friend here in town that would look at me here and there and give me some help with my swing and stuff. Um, I mean, I worked hard. I practiced, I played a lot of tournaments, but, uh, I just didn't get the job done. Um, and, I mean, I finished, luckily, like, I think pretty low on the list, but I finished, like, 68 or 9, which 
gave me full status back for 2023 um, to start here this season. And uh, about a year ago, I kind of did some soul searching and uh, thought, hey, I, I played my best when I worked with Matt Killen as my instructor. And, uh, you know, tried out a couple guys in the fall last year, but talked to him and decided, hey, this is how, you know, I played my best in 20, 2008 through 2014 when I was working with him and kind of went back in full full throttle there and uh, didn't see him a lot throughout this year, but we communicate and just kind of kept on a steady plan and always trying to do the same stuff and um, kind of made a connection with the UK baseball coach, uh, a good friend um, that has become a good friend, Nick Mingione. And in a weird kind of way, he kind of has become a performance coach, I would say. Um, I don't know if baseball and golf are really that similar, but I had a baseball past and love it. And uh, we just talk a lot about different stuff. And some of the stuff I think translates well. And uh, it's been been good to get a fresh look, maybe from the mental side about competing more and um, new ideas on things that, that may work in another sport that I can bring uh, to the golf course. And, you know, just played solid all year. Um, almost won in uh, June in, uh, at the Greenville in the BMW Pro-Am, lost in the playoff. But at that point, I was really encouraged because of how I'd played and knew I had half the season left. And I was just going to keep keep trucking and uh, really kind of hit a, a low we, spot. Before we move past Greenville, uh, yeah, yeah. can you just give a little glimpse into, I think it was last year, I think I saw a video of you <laughs> jumping into a pond to go get a shoe. Is that, is that right? That's a hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, it was a rough day. First round, you know, the course scores are super low. I'm over par and <laughs> there's a Twitter video out there somewhere. Of uh, I'll, I'll find it and clip it here. Yes, please. Uh, not my greatest moment, um, by any means, but it'll probably go down as one of my most memorable moments on the course. <laughs> um, my kids were there, my wife, my wife's got a full video that has never been released. So we're going to keep that under wraps, but with the commentary <laughs> from them, uh, it's priceless, but, uh, long story short, I hit a ball rolled back down in the water's edge. I had to take my right shoe off to kind of get the stance to hit it. And, uh, I had to swing pretty hard cause it was a kind of a, pretty steep slope there and it came out hot over the back of the green into the water back there already at like three over on the day and on the seventh hole I came out of the water I came up out of the water and I probably had this fastest club head speed I've ever had with this wedge and I hit my shoe and it went out in the water about 25 yards <laughs> and it's just sitting there floating and it didn't turn over and you know maybe would have would have uh sunk but it's just floating. And I'm like, I felt like I had three options. I, I could play without one shoe. I could play without both shoes for two holes and get a new pair at my, in my car when I make the turn. Or I can strip down to my underwear and dive in and go get the shoe. Being from Kentucky, there's a lot of jokes about people with no shoes. So I thought the best option was to go get it. <laughs> and, uh, I did, uh, and I guess you'll see the rest on video. Um, one of the partners in the group, 
the amateurs said this is the greatest BMW ever. <laughs> so uh, we made a memory, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> but I think I might have been in dead last place after a couple rounds there last year, and uh, to turn it around and yeah, being a playoff led the whole week, and then uh, the young young man Adrian. Uh, I'm not sure if I know how to pronounce yeah, his last name. Last name. Yep. Dave art um, super kid, man. I, I got to know him, and obviously he's going to the tour. But uh, he got hot there on the back nine, and uh, we went to the playoff, and he, he knocked me knocked me out. So uh, hopefully we get a chance to do it again down the road. So leaving Greenville, that's good. Let's go back to that. I just that story yeah. shared. That was. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so walk us through after that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was very confident leaving there, had a week off and, uh, you know, I was still going to keep doing what I'd been doing, my practice routines, my, how I was approaching each week. And I did, and I had a, a few weeks where I just didn't make putts. I felt like, and I missed a cut here by one or two. Then it kind of got down to the end there and, uh, Played pretty well a couple rounds in uh, New Jersey and Omaha, but had one or one bad nine holes that kind of every week I just felt like I was dropping a couple spots, you know, and uh, missed the cut and uh, or made it. had a really low round in uh, Boise to start the week, but then finished poorly, um, made the cut, but finished way down the list and then missed the cut in Na- Nashville. And it was kind of like, do or die time, I guess. <laughs> but uh was still confident in how I'd been playing and was just waiting, trying to be patient and see the see the uh fruits of the labor uh shine at some point. And uh going into Columbus and uh Evansville, I mean Scarlet and Victoria National, two courses that I've told my wife multiple times I'm not going back. Um but this time, um uh, I don't know why but i went and competed a lot harder i think uh leading up to it even in the practice days and was chomping at the bit to to try to go conquer it you know i, I think i was talking to a walking scorer last week about um victoria national and how golf is kind of like putting a puzzle together you've got all the pieces you just gotta get them figure out how to fit them together you know each hole requires different stuff and sometimes when i go to when I've been going to that Victoria National, I feel like those puzzle pieces are turned over and they're all brown. And you don't have a picture of what the puzzle's supposed to look like. And I just feel like I'm lost. But, uh, you know, I had a good game plan and my caddy Joe and I worked through it really well each day. And, you know, we knew that scores would – anything under par would be rewarded. And um, as long as you go through there and you don't make big numbers, I think you got a really good chance. And, Neither of the last two tournaments did I make a anything more than a bogey. So uh, that was, uh, I think, that was a, a key uh, key thing for my last couple tournaments. So as last week progressed, what was kind of that game plan going in uh, mentally with you know the potential of you know either going back to the Corn Ferry Tour or going mm-hmm. forward to the PGA Tour, and kind of give us a progression of that week um, all the way through Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I went over Sunday night and uh, just kind of got on on ground Monday, ready to go and played holes, you know, had kind of a little game with my caddy or with myself. And we created this trophy, really, (laughs) 
We call it a chain. I don't know if you've seen it out there, but it's called the Good Chain, kind of based off of Jocko Willink's uh, Good video. And you just go out there and you play. And, I mean, did you win the chain that day or did you not? And uh, sometimes it was like I shot 70 on a Tuesday practice round. And I wasn't playing against anybody, but I just had to ask Siri for a random number between 65 and 75. And one day I shot 70 and I beat Siri. And one day um, I shot 67 and I lost to Siri. So, like, I think that's the way golf is. Like, you can play a great round and get beat or you can play a mediocre round and win, you know. It just depends on what the other guys are doing. So, um, kind of that was uh, the way we approached each day. Um, during the tournament, I remember walking up on the tee at um, Columbus final round and they had the trophy there. And Joe and I were like, we don't even worry. We're not even worried about that trophy. We're, the one we're playing for, we got in the car. <laughs> we're playing for the chain. <laughs> so it's kind of taken on a, I guess, a thing of its own, you know. Um, I had it out in the ceremonies. But uh, back to your question, I guess, you know, we, we were pretty at ease all week. I felt um, just like I did in uh, Greenville. I felt at peace. Um, I mean, obviously I knew I was in great hands of the Lord and he was going to put me where I needed to be over the next year or how many ever years it is. Um, he's put me and given me these gifts to play great golf. And, you know, I've done it for a while. And um, I don't ever understand why I'm – where I'm going, but he's got it all under control. And I think that gave me the most peace um, along with knowing that I'd been playing well. And a lot of people were asking me what I needed to do, how I needed to finish. And I didn't know, like, it's a new system. Like a lot of people thought if I finished in the top 15, I would probably get my card. Well, it turns out I needed to finish solo fifth or because of how everybody else played. So I didn't try to worry about any of that. I really didn't know how I stood until I was on the last green. I saw about half of the scoreboard and it had the projected list. And I just saw a green number in my name, but I couldn't tell what the number was. So I didn't know if it was 26 or 30 or, you know, 15. Like I, I just didn't know. I didn't really try to look. Um, and I didn't even know where I finished in the tournament until we started the ceremony. <laughs> but um, there's something I was just trying to play golf like I was playing with you guys, you know. Um, and uh, I don't know. It uh, thankfully it worked out. <laughs> yeah, and with all that going on, just let just walk us through the final hole, like for a college golfer who's listening, mm -hmm. or an everyday golfer that's playing their member guest or their club championship. That tee shot is one of – it's got to be one of the toughest tee shots, like on a final hole, especially with the circumstances. Uh, yes. Water right, stuff left. You can take a lot on. You can lay out to the left. If you're Brandon Matthews, you can go for the green. Draw the green. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a tough tee shot, and there's a lot riding on it. So just walk walk us through mm -hmm. what you're thinking on the tee, tee – like on that tee shot and then second shot, and just kind of walk through the hole just briefly. Yeah, so – you're right. It's probably the hardest tee shot on the tour. Um, and you never really look forward to being there, <laughs> number one. Um, 
we had the wind in off the left, which we had had like three days in a row. And, you know, usually it's like, for me, a seven wood, maybe a three wood to leave yourself like a seven iron in. Well, when the wind's in off the left, that's not the case. So you're looking at the the right of the two bunkers. I think it's about 290 to get to, 280 maybe, adjusted. I mean, I've got a shot that I go to, I call it the, the just tee it down low, kind of the slide driver. And uh, I really actually use – I started using one of those little short tees like you might use on a part three. But I tee it up and, I mean, I just try to start it in the right center of the left bunker and let it kind of bleed over in, you know, into the right part – or sorry, the left part of the right bunker. And I've done it uh, every day – the last two days. And the first day I pulled it left in the rough. The next day – I hit it straight at the second bunker, but it didn't get there because of how much wind there was. And, you know, it's not going to go, but probably 260 or 70, uh, the way I'm trying to hit this shot. And, uh, I mean, I couldn't have pulled it off any better than I did on Sunday. Like it started right there where I was looking and it was fading to the right. And I just picked my tee up and, uh, you know, it, it felt good to hit the shot that you wanted to hit and create the, let the shot create the picture that you had in your mind. Um, so we get down there and I mean, I think they were pretty uh, generous with the whole location on Sunday, to be honest, you know, if you're out of position, that pin can be tough because if you get it going right, it can run in the water. Like I think we saw a couple, like got David Coker hit one in there from the left rough. And I looked back and saw somebody else, a couple groups prior had done that too. But, I mean, I had 158 yards. Um, wind was off straight off the left with maybe a touch of hurt. And I hit a nine iron about 150. And it just seemed like perfect because you're trying to leave the ball short of the pin, have an uphill putt, not want to take any risk on going past because if you got it bleeding too far to the right, the green kind of runs out and the water's there. And at this point, I felt like, you know, I just need a good look at birdie and par might get the job done. I hit a perfect uh, nine iron right where I was looking, kind of right edge of the TV tower, and it fell a little right, rolled a little right. It was about probably five paces short of the pin when it finished, but uh, kind of right where you want to try to attack from. And uh, gave it a good run, rolled it about three feet past, and I just said, hey, guys, I'm going to finish. Because um, Barjon was uh, obviously going to win the tournament, and I didn't want to be in his way. And, I felt like it was time to just get the thing over with and uh, knock it right in the center. Love That's it. Awesome. Even <laughs> in the midst of everything going on outside of that, the consequences of that putt, you're just like, oh, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for me in general, putting has kind of been the part of the game that I've tried to get better at all these years. And, uh, you know, if you're 30 feet and you roll it up there to – foot and you can tap it in that saves a lot of stress over the course of a week or a day or whatever it may be <laughs> and uh obviously i'd like to have it where i didn't have to mark it but uh it, you know it might not have been three feet i don't know but it, there was no thought in my mind that i wasn't gonna make it so right. um yeah that's good i think one thing the listener you just as a golfer can take from that final hole is you had a plan you stayed to that plan even with the circumstances Standing mm-hmm. as high as they were, you didn't try to do anything special or change it. You just kept stuck to the plan mm-hmm. you had. 
and thankfully you executed, but I mean, if yeah. anything outside of that would have happened, you still would have been sticking to your plan and that's all you can control. So, yeah. And I'll go back to sticking to your plan. Like this was on hole 15. I mean, I knew I needed at least one birdie, maybe two. And that's a par five, like, um, of the last five holes, that's really the only one that's like a, a birdie hole, I would say. Yeah. Well, I hit a great drive. I had 213 to the front pin and it just wasn't a comfortable shot because of I've got a seven wood and a three wood and a seven wood felt like it could get eat up by the wind. Three wood felt like it was going to go to the back of the green, not a guarantee. And, you know, I think you just got to do what the game calls for at times. And I had to lay up um, and leave myself like 75 yards and hit just a okay wedge shot. It's the putt that, you know, maybe see on Instagram or whatever I made from the fringe, but I left it where I could attack from there. And, you know, we had the conversation in the fairway and I had a little bit of angst about me and thinking I didn't like the shot. And, you know, my caddy doing a great job was like, well, we're not going to do it here. We're not going to waste this opportunity to make a birdie going for it. And then it basically being over if you don't pull it off. So a lot of times in the past, I would press right there and, uh, you know, maybe pull it off, but more than likely see the chances come to an end. Yeah. Well, it's awesome to look back and see, you know, that you are going forward to the PGA Tour again. And I think one thing to encourage you, it's been awesome to see how faithful you've been to the process of just playing professional golf, also ministering to the guys uh, that are younger than you and guys that are around you whatever tour you're playing and i think you are definitely a success um in golf whether you would have gotten your pga tour card or not uh on sunday uh but fun to celebrate that you have Uh, also quirky kemp our cgf staff in greensboro who has spent a lot of time on the corn ferry tour uh doing the tour fellowship uh spending a lot of time with you guys said that you did a phenomenal job sharing your testimony at the tour fellowship. Uh, why don't you give our listeners um, <laughs> share of that testimony? Yeah, well, his definition of uh, great in mine may be different because <laughs> if we had to, if we had to like transition it to that, to golf, I would have hit it in the water on 18 and I would have three putted. <laughs> I mean, I was all over the place, but uh, yeah, it was great to share that week in Omaha. Um, I mean, I'll try to keep it, you know, kind of as together as I can. But, uh, you know, I was – my parents were divorced when I was about two years old. Um, Both been super to me my whole life, uh, along with my stepdad. Um, Since the age – I met him when I was six. And then uh, really influential in getting me started in golf, by the way. Um, He and my mom started playing, and I hated it. Um. About five years later, I finally convinced them to get me some clubs. But uh, that's another story. But, uh, you know, as a kid, we we went to church. Uh, when I'd visit my dad, I'd sit with my grandmother. He was in the choir. Um, I don't know. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. <laughs> um, and then my mom and stepdad, we'd go and we'd sit in the balcony and we'd maybe sneak out early to get the lunch or to the tea time we had, whatever it may be. And then. As I got older into like middle school, you know, we were always busy. I was playing baseball, um, playing golf, didn't really do any, uh, you know, youth group type stuff. Um, 
never, never against it. Um, just was busy. Um, I would say sports was my God, you know, like that's what I always wanted to do. Uh, and in high school, we had a thing called Young Life, which probably people know about. Um, kind of came to my high school in, here in Lexington, and um, we started going to that, all of our buddies, baseball players, and uh, all our friends, just because everybody was going. It was a thing to do on Monday night. Like, what else is going to go on on Monday night? Like, and then we would all gather up at uh, McDonald's afterwards. That might have been why we all went. You know, <laughs> see a couple funny skits and, you know, they, they give us a little message at the end. And, but uh, that kind of got got me around, you know, the word, I guess. And then uh, my best friend actually got really involved, went to a camp with Young Life. Um, and then when he, once he got to college, he went. He was an intern or a leader, I guess you say, with Young Life and then went on staff with them after college. Um, but through the end of college, like, I could just see him changing, you know. Um, and, you know, he would have a huge impact on me. We were always hanging out. Um, no pressure, you know. He would talk about it a little bit here and there. And I guess my junior year of college, I qualified for – the U.S. Amateur at Baltus Raw. So I had to move into school there at Moorhead uh, early before we went. And uh, he offered to help me. And it's about an hour drive. We loaded up and uh, we talked a lot um, on the drive there and back about, you know, Jesus and what it meant. And, um, you know, it made me think a lot, I would say. And, uh, through this time, I'd uh, been dating a girl who was involved in a church here in town and uh, got started going there. Um, and through all these things, the way the, the Lord works uh, in this conversation with Matt uh, got me really thinking. And I was a guy that was never really in trouble, didn't do anything like out of the ordinary. Like I just kind of wanted to obey my parents and not get in trouble and I didn't drink. I didn't run around with the wrong crowd. And, uh, I don't know if I just, for the longest time, didn't think I needed a savior because of all that. But, uh, we all do. We're all short. We're all sinners. And I realized that in about uh, a month after that U S amateur, I decided that, you know, I needed the Lord in my life and, uh, accepted Christ and it was at a Franklin Graham festival that I actually, you know, I guess officially made the, uh, declaration or made the decision that Jesus is my Lord and savior. And, uh, a month or so later, my best friend baptized me. Wow. Yeah. Mm, so good. And, uh, I guess about a month ago, my son Bane decided he made the same decision. Man, Peter, that's amazing. That's been huge, and uh, that's awesome. You know, just to know that Ashley and I've been given this awesome young man, and um, it's really, it's really the Lord's young man. But he's trusted us to. Try to raise him the right way. Gosh, that's so good. Um, 
man, just to, just to think back, um, your parents, your stepdad, um, and then your best friend, you know, for, for a while, um, and the things that he invested into you through the Lord's work, through the Holy Spirit, are now even this many years later for an your family. For sure. What a picture of the gospel and how big and good God is that it wasn't just to save you. Like it's literally infiltrating your family and who knows who else. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah. And that, that's what my, my buddy, Matt, I never did mention his name, but we talk about a lot. It's like, you know, you're going to these tournaments and maybe God's plan is for you to not get your card and to be on the corn fairy tour. And, you know, um, I don't know. It's not where I want to be, but that could be um, what the plan. That was what the plan was the last two years, you know, and who knows why, but who did you meet? Who, who'd you cross paths with? What will that bring in the future? And yeah. And all the conversations that can change lives, you know, even a, yeah. a drive to a golf tournament. Yeah. yeah. And even just, you know, uh, Teeter, you sharing this, you sharing your story at Tour Fellowship. Like there's no telling what caddy was in there or girlfriend or buddy, mm-hmm. whoever was there that could have been impacted you know, by your story. Um, and I mean, you share as much as you want to share, you know, if there's things after that you want to share, but I kind of want to, hear you talk about how how that how the lord taking you from death to life even though you thought you were pretty good like morally relatively you were good i I have a similar background story like you know do i have sin yeah but like it's better than other people Uh, yeah i thought i was fine you know i'm i'm doing okay i haven't killed anybody you know i haven't done this yeah it's it's a good yeah um but how has that that decision that you made in college impacted your life and impact the way you play golf or have a relationship with your wife or your kids? Like, what does that look like you know, for you since then? Yeah. I mean, obviously I would say it's been much free, much more free. Um, not all the time because a lot of times I forget and I'm like, I'm in control. Like, but yeah. you know, when things get going really bad, you know, and we need to do it when we're going really good to just like be thankful and just know that, hey, no matter if I don't make another cut, um, you know, I know where I'm going for eternity and it's going to be uh, something that we can't even imagine. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, freeing to know that, hey, I'm, I'm in the best hands I can be in. That's good. How has uh, how has your relationship with your wife and then, you know, having two kids, how's that grown over these last few years? Yeah, I mean, it's been great, you know. Um, actually, obviously, she grew up in the church. And, uh, you know, when we met, that was obviously a huge um, thing we had in common. And, you know, we both felt like, hey, that's what we were going to, uh, I want to say we both grew up in the church. She grew up in the church, but we both had the Lord in our hearts. And, uh, that's, uh, that was huge. And, um, you know, COVID was a kind of a, the first time we'd really spent that much time together at home. Um, cause we, 
we met in an off season and uh, we traveled a lot on the road and then got married uh, about a year, little, little less than a year and a half later. And from when we met and uh, had some kids, had started having kids about, you know, nine months after that. So uh, it's, uh, it's been a fast track. Um, it's been great, but we've loved every minute of it. And uh, we, uh, we look forward to what, what's uh, in store down the road. That's awesome. That yeah, COVID certainly changed a lot more than I <laughs> realized. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she keeps wanting to try to caddy for me, but I don't know if that's best for our relationship down the road. You know. <laughs> <laughs> she it's might like, have to go swim for a shoe or something. You know. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen that video. She might have a feature in commentary. <laughs> she she might. <laughs> Uh, so Josh, with, uh, going back to the tour, you know, Brad Payne and, uh, Stephen Bunner out there as the chaplains on tour, uh, just talk about the importance uh, you, we, you had it on Cord Ferry and, you know, CGF mm-hmm. kind of had that baton for a few years now and Corky's done a phenomenal job and you can yeah. talk to Corn Ferry, but also on tour, you're going to a new place. There's new people. Mm-hmm. There's a few guys going that are the same. Uh, but just talk about the importance of community because I mean, you travel, you guys travel a ton. Golf is very glamorous. It's an awesome job. There's nothing like it, but it's super hard uh, being gone that much. So just kind of talk about community that you will have on tour and mm-hmm. how much that kind of means for your own walk with the Lord in life. Yeah, first off, you know, it's been great for years on the Corn Prairie Tour. And, you know, Corky, the last few years, um, really, really good at, you know, getting us together and um, all the guys. It's It's kind of like a – one of the major things going up goes on during tournament week. You know, I try not to miss it. Um, love being around those guys, and we do have a few of the, a few of the ones graduating as well. But uh, you know, obviously with Brad and and uh, Stephen, two great guys, and being out there before, you know, it's not like I'm going to be going into a new spot that I've never been, and you know, I know a lot of the guys that will still you know be involved and coming and be great to reconnect with them, I guess, you know, um, and gotten so many texts from those guys, you know, over the last few days and just look forward to, uh, doing life together with them, whether it's the study or just eating dinner or practice round, or I think maybe they get it, maybe get into some pickleball out there these days. They need somebody to come out there and whoop them up a little bit. So, uh, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just going to be fun. Maybe a couple new spots I've never been, and maybe they know where the good places to eat are. <laughs> <laughs> you oh. just gave me a phenomenal fundraising idea for College Golf Fellowship. I've been the- thinking about how do we do pickleball fundraisers. We need so maybe we, we work need on to this. do a PGA Tour Players Charity Pickleball Classic, and we're going to get that set up, and it's going to be birthed from this podcast right here. So we're going to look Love back. It. We're going to, and it's going to become an annual thing, and it's all going to start right here. Uh, well, let's do it. Pickleball, Jesus. I mean, my goal is, you know, play this game, have a great next four to six years, maybe. You know, and everybody yeah. talks about when you turn fifty, go to the Champions Tour. But I think I just want to kind of be home more and watch the kids through the middle school and high school days, and just find a place where maybe I can be a pickleball instructor. I was wondering if you were talking <laughs> That's about amazing. 
better the next four to six years at pickleball or golf. I didn't know which sport. Well, we're doing. I sure hope golf. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I actually sent uh, my our, my buddy Daniel Summerhay the picture from back in January. He and I won the uh, player caddy wives, whatever you want to call it, pickleball tournament in Abaco uh, for the Corn Ferry event this past January and. I was like, buddy, it started with this one. This was the trophy we won. I didn't win another trophy the rest of the year, but uh, we're going to try to get one out on the PGA Tour. <laughs> Sounds like we need you to captain the team, Crane to captain the team, and we'll figure out a, a Ryder Cup style <laughs> format. Of yeah, I don't know that I'm on his level yet, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to try. <laughs> I don't think anyone's on any level <laughs> that Ben Crane's on. <laughs> So good. So, uh, Josh, everything about your story is encouraging to me. You can see that the Lord has truly done and work in your life. It's amazing that he's done that same work in Bain. Um, mm -hmm. And that is so awesome to hear. Um, and so I hope the listeners encouraged by this. I hope that you're just filled with courage by it, too. Um, I think I think Toby has one more question he wants to ask, and then we're going to transition and kind of close it out with some rapid fire questions. So just start. Start okay. preparing your mind for that. Oh boy. Yep. <laughs> yep. One more serious question. I'd love to get your insight on this. Uh, since we do so much ministry with college golfers, if you could sit down to lunch with freshman Josh Teeter, mm. what are the what are the two things you're gonna tell him? Man. Great so question. One, one golf. One life. One golf. One life. Faith, faith can be under the life category. Yeah. Uh, man, what are you what are you gonna do here at Moorhead State, you know, that is gonna get you to be the best golfer you can be? Uh, how are you gonna approach that? Um I think that's my golf question. Because I, I always wanted to be a professional athlete athlete from the time I was a, could walk, you know, uh, being a Kentucky Kentucky guy, wanted to be a basketball player. That didn't pan out. So uh, then it became baseball, and then it, it ended up being golf. Um, but when I went to school, like, that was my goal. Like, I guess I would ask myself, how, how are you going to get there? Mm -hmm. And then life, um, right, do you think you have everything under control? <laughs> Um, cause I probably did at, at the time I did think that <laughs> and, uh, you know, where do you see yourself in 15 years? I guess maybe it would be a question you'd ask. Good. All right. Well, we will, uh, we'll have some fun with some rapid fire questions. They don't have to be rapid fire answers, but we'll, okay. <laughs> we call them rapid fire and they're generally like five questions over the course of five <laughs> minutes kind of slowly okay <laughs> i'll see if i can be a rapid fire answer all right have you ever signed an autograph for sergio when <laughs> no for him no okay yeah. i have not i've been <laughs> tempted many a times <laughs> That's I have... my favorite story is that I, i'm not this is already getting off rapid fire but one year at bay hill going to get my courtesy car like get there right before they close go in the trailer 
I'm trying to get my license to show them, you know, because I got to write the paperwork. Like, oh, we don't need that. We know you're Sergio. And <laughs> I talked to them for at least three to five minutes, and they still think I'm Sergio. I'm like, we both have accents, but they're not the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. I yeah. I saw Sergio walking into a Starbucks um, outside of the, I think it was Bay Hill one year. And I was very tempted to ask him if he was Josh Teeter and see how that went. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite meal of the day? Lunch. Lunch. Okay. Is that, what, is that what you mean? Like, yep. Okay. Did you have something else? Yeah. What's your favorite lunch? You could have anything. I'm actually about to go right now. It's a place called Dad's Favorites here in Lexington. It's a hole in the wall deli. Um, yeah, they close at three, so uh, I got to get there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a it's an awesome spot. Um, just the deli sandwiches. They have daily specials and a, a nice menu. Ask Bun about it. He's been there. <laughs> uh, foursome dream foursome can be dead or alive golfer non-golfer we've had usain bolt uh jfk mm. mentioned so dream foursome mm. dream force well i think i would learn a lot i've never been paired with tiger so i have to put him in there mm -hmm. um i'm gonna go route uh, people i've never played with so I'm going to go Jack, Tiger, and uh, Nate Bergazzi, I think. Love that. Keep keep us laughing, you know. <laughs> I think yeah. he likes golf from what I can tell. <laughs> oh, loves golf. And Webb, and yeah. ben, Webb Simpson and Ben Crane have talked about it, and they said he's a great guy to play golf with, but he, yeah. he's very serious because he wants to mm -hmm. focus and play golf. So he'll run yeah. jokes by him, but he's he's trying to get better at golf. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I've, I've gotten to know John Augustine pretty well, you know, being a Kentucky guy. and They're really good friends, you know, from his time at Vanderbilt. So, yeah, um, hope y'all can play. I hope y'all can play together in something next year. That'd be awesome. That would be cool. Yeah. What about golf course? If you could play any golf course in the world and you could just teleport to the first tee, what would it be? Pebble Beach. Pebble. Nice. All right, last one. If you had to start a new career on Monday that had to be totally unrelated to golf, what would it be? I mean, I think I already answered this, right? Professional pickleballer. <laughs> pickleballer. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Uh, well, I cannot wait for the... Uh annual pickleball charity classic to come about josh teeter is going to be headlining. let's talk about it buddy let's get us get it on the books oh i will i will but no for real josh thank you so much for coming on for sharing your story and just talking about how the lord has changed you pouring into college guys that are listening donors everybody um it truly was a treat thank you so much can't wait to see what happens next year uh can't wait to have a follow-up podcast after you go out there and win a tournament um and just overall thankful for for your impact and uh for serving us in this way so thanks so much
Yeah, thank you. You guys do an amazing job, you know. Um, I wish back to freshman uh, Josh Teeter, like I didn't even know about College Golf Fellowship. And I didn't know about College Golf Fellowship until 2009 when I played on the Corn Ferry Tour or what was the Nationwide Tour. And Martin Piller introduced me to what it was. And, uh, you know, been a huge impact on my life. Well, nothing more needs to be said. I'm going to clip that, post that on socials. <laughs> the college guys get plugged there into stuff. And thanks so much, yep. Josh. All right, thank you guys. Have a great afternoon. You too enjoy that. Uh, enjoy that lunch. You got it. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Golf Life Faith podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at collegegolffellowship and on Twitter at CGFTweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.